Hey, I'm Pastor Reg, and I, it's almost afternoon. You guys slept in this morning, right? Didn't you? All right. Well, it feels good. We're all warmed up in this service. We're having a good time. Um, I want to welcome you this morning, and the first thing I'd ask you to do is take out that communication card. It's the new yellow ones in, in the uh, pocket in front of you. This is one of the main ways we stay together as a church and in contact with each other. Know that as you share prayer requests on here, more than 200 people are on the prayer chain praying for those requests, so lift those up to God and Give us any information that's been changed as well and any uh, response to the service that you have for the rest of the, of the, of the day. Um, guests, we want to say especially welcome to you. We're uh, so glad that God led you to be with Lake City this morning. We think that you, you have a special blessing here in store for you today. A couple of announcements real quick as we continue. Our, our Easter prayer gatherings begin next week. Every Easter and Christmas we go in as a praying church laying up thousands of hours of prayer uh, before that, our church outreach for Easter and also your um, personal missions. And so that kicks off the concert of prayer next Sunday after this service over in the gym. And uh, come and pray. That kicks off four days of prayer meetings in the morning and evening. And I'd encourage everybody here to come to at least one of those and pray with your church family uh, for what God might do through us during Easter time. Well, this morning, this weekend is, is uh, our annual global missions weekend. And that might mean a lot to somebody, and it might not mean much to you. Let me explain why we do an annual missions weekend. It's because we're committed to the mission of Jesus to make disciples of all nations in the world. And any church that loses its focus on, mission, on that mission dies. And we don't want to die. We want to be alive here at Lake City. Um, so our, our theme this weekend is focus, and there's two meanings to that. One is... Our church is in the process right now of choosing our second strategic missions focus uh, to replace the completed work in Ajay, Ethiopia. And we'd encourage you to, to pray with us for unity on that, for clarity, for God's leading as it affects everybody in this church, um, where he's going to lead us in the world um, next. And then also because the Bible calls every Christian to have a focus outside of ourselves, but on what God is doing on the people around us and our own spheres in life, and also the global realities, uh, to be people of global-mindedness as God is. So that's our theme. It's going to be an amazing day for you all. I am sure it has been already. And um, we're going to pray now for the rest of our service and for our missionaries of the week. Uh, we have pictures of them. Two families, Eddie and Kendra Johnson and Bobby and Janelle Arkills. They uh, lead our local missions with Youth for Christ and Young Life. And the other thing you need to know about them, they're going to be on the stage together in uh, the missions lunch right after this service. So you've got to come over there. That's going to be a riot. It's going to be a great time and great food for sure. So um, let's pray for them and their ministries and the rest of our service. Lord God, it is a privilege to stand here and pray to the creator of the universe and the God who loves us dearly more than anyone else and who's given us the ability to love you back. We want to lift up the Johnsons and Arkills uh, even this morning as they may be worshiping in their church families uh, right now, but soon they'll be over here uh, for our missions lunch. Uh, but I want to lift up their prayer request specifically for the leader development programs and uh, their ministries to teens that wouldn't otherwise hear the gospel in our own communities. God, I pray that you'll strengthen. They love to be partners with the church. I pray that you'll strengthen those partnerships and their families and their ministries and all the structural changes that they're going through as well now, too. Uh, we lift all that up 
uh, before your throne, and we lift up the rest of our time together this morning as your church, Jesus' bride, the church. We pray in his name. Amen. I'm going to introduce our guest speaker uh, this morning. It's a, a privilege to do so, but before I do, I've said that word strategic missions focus, and if you're new to Lake City, let me just define what that means and how that impacts our church at Lake City. Uh, in 2007, we were challenged. We, we already have a lot of missionaries all over the world. We were challenged to consider adopting an unreached people group as a strategic focus. The thinking behind that is, you need to know this, is there are about 10,000 unreached people groups left in the world that are cut off from hearing the gospel, that have no church, no missions going uh, to them. They're unreached, and they're, uh, see, as Christians, we're given this light and life and joy to give to the rest of the world. Well, the thinking is, with these 10,000 remaining unreached people groups, there's 2 million churches in the world. If enough local churches adopt one of these remaining people groups and pour a concerted effort of prayer and support and partners and sending people over there short-term, long-term, um, the end of the Great Commission that Jesus gave 2,000 years ago is within sight. And so we have adopted the Tamajic people of Niger, West Africa, and it has blessed our church. We've sent more than 50 people there over the years, strengthened the partners there. We celebrated the completion of the Tamajic New Testament last year. We had a part in that. Awesome stuff to be a part of uh, for us and, and them. And uh, we're in the process of adding a second strategic focus now, and you're going to hear more about that over the months. But please join us in prayer even now as uh, we're going through that process. Now, that brings me to Dr. Joshua Bogunjoko. You couldn't have a more perfect uh, guest, and we're so grateful that he responded uh, to our request to come out. And um, he supports the local church. He loves the local church and says he loves to support them. Let me tell you a little bit about him, and you'll see why this is such a great deal. Dr. Joshua was born in Nigeria. He attended an SIM-established mission school where he came to faith in Christ. And that's important, SIM. Uh, is our partner in Niger, and that's going to come up repeatedly here. He has many degrees, is a doctor. He felt the Lord's call to missions in the university and committed his heart to serve the Lord cross-culturally. Joshua married Dr. Joanna Bogunjoko in November 1993. They have two children. After his residency, they began their ministry as medical missionaries at an SIM hospital in Galmi, Niger in 1995, with a special ministry focus then on the Tamajic people of Niger. And so our hearts are linked by a love for that people group in that place. Flash forward to 2013, Joshua became the first non-Westerner to lead SIM as its international director. And under Joshua's leadership, their influence has grown from over 50 countries to over 70 countries in just the last four years. So he's a leader, a visionary leader, and a great preacher of the Word of God, which he is coming to do now. Would we give them all a warm Lake City welcome as Joshua comes? Come on up. Thank you. Good morning. I want to thank you for your partnership in the gospel. I want to thank you, first of all, for your partnership with the Lord. Uh, because mission is God's mission. And when we partner in mission, we partner with God in his purpose for the world. So thank you for your partnership in God's mission. And thank you for your partnership with SIM and in outreach to Tamajic people and to others 
around the world. And I want to thank you also for your partnership with other organizations uh, because we are in it together. Uh, it's God's mission. We are simply participants in what God is already doing. So thank you for your partnership with us. And I also want to thank the leadership of the church, Pastor Reg, Pastor Jim, for your invitation to me to be a part of this week. It's been a very special weekend for me, and I'm really grateful for that, and to my host as well. It's been a very good uh, uh, two days here. And this morning, as we reflect on the theme uh, for this weekend, focus, uh, I just want to point out that there is a, a reason why God led the church leadership to choose this theme. Focus. If you look at your dictionary, dictionary, there are different definitions, and, and some of them have to do with clarity, okay, uh, being able to see clearly or being able to, to, to have a determined uh, position on something or to center your focus or your uh, mind on something. Uh, that word means something fairly you know, special to me because you can see I have glasses. If I take off my glasses now, I can't see your faces because my eyes can't focus. Um, I need the glasses to help my eyes focus so I can see clearly. And I think part of the goal and the desire for this weekend is that each of us will get that clarity of focus on the things of God, on the greater purpose of God for our lives, but also for this church, for this congregation, as we open our hearts to the Lord and as we begin to consider God's work word to us. Uh, I have titled this, Equipped to Go and Called to Serve. Equipped to Go and Called to Serve. We're going to be reading from the book of Acts chapter 13. Acts 13, I'm going to read the first four verses. Acts 13, 1 to 4. Now they were at Antioch in the church that was there, prophets and teachers, Barnabas and Simeon, who was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and Manine, and who, had, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were ministering to the Lord and, last, and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there, they sailed to Cyprus. Let me pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the freedom we have to gather together like this without fear and to worship you, to fellowship together, to receive from you. Father, thank you for your people. And as we come before you now, I ask that we speak to our hearts, Lord. Mission is yours, Lord. You have invited us to participate in that which you are already doing, Lord. I ask, Lord, that each of us will receive the word that is meant for us this morning. And our hearts will be open to yours as we consider your word. We worship you, Lord Jesus, because you are Lord of this moment and you are Lord of our lives. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Focus. Let's do a quick overview of Acts uh, 1 to 13, because the story didn't start from Acts 13. Actually, the story didn't just start from Acts chapter 1. But in Acts chapter 1, as Jesus was preparing to return to heaven after his resurrection, uh, 
we saw him giving instructions to his followers, telling them, remain in Jerusalem until you receive the, the gift of the Father. And they said, then he said, you shall be my witnesses after you have received the power of the Holy Spirit. You be my witness in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the utmost part of the world. That commission explain or clarify for us the vision of Jesus Christ for his global mission. It is a vision to the utmost part of the world. It's a vision for his whole church. It, the desire of the Lord is that the whole world will hear his good news. And for each of us, we know your, your, your end of the world may be different from mine. But the end of the world is God's vision for his purpose. For me, I came from Nigeria, so this is my end of the world, as it were. And for some of you, it would be somewhere else. But each of us have a part in that because he gave that commission to all of us. The gospel to the ends of the earth was Jesus' purpose. But that gospel started in Jerusalem. So in Acts chapter 1 to 8, we saw the gospel in Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit came, recorded for us in chapter 2. And when the Holy Spirit came, the church was born. And in the preaching of Peter, we saw 3,000 coming to faith, and many more things happened in Jerusalem. Persecution arose, but the church was in Jerusalem. Jesus said, in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the utmost part of the earth. And then from Acts chapter 8, we begin to see the gospel in Judea and Samaria. Because persecution was increasing, you saw the death of Stephen in Acts chapter 7. We saw the gospel beginning to go out. And you have Philip in Samaria, you know, preaching there. The gospel beginning to break the boundary of Jerusalem and even Judea. And then you face, we see Paul's conversion in Acts chapter 9 because he was opposed to the gospel. The very man who was so opposed to the vision of our Lord Jesus Christ of the gospel to the ends of the earth became one of the greatest proclaimers of that very message. That is the power of God. Then that gospel didn't stop there because we saw in Acts chapter 9, 32 to 12, 25, the gospel beginning to break the boundary to reach the Gentiles. You see, up to this point, the Jews had taught that the gospel was for the Jews. And so, Cornelius, in Acts chapter 10, was described as a worshiper of God. And God took Peter from the city of Joppa to go to Caesarea and speak to Cornelius. Now, I hope you understand that to talk about a, a, a Gentile man, in fact, the head of an occupying force, he was a centurion, a Roman centurion, for him to be described as a worshiper of God was total anathema to the Jewish theology. You couldn't be a worshiper of God when you are a Gentile, perhaps unless you are a, Jude, a, 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 a proselyte to Judaism. He wasn't. And yet, the Lord God himself described him as a worshiper of God. Even then, he still needed to hear the good news of salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. And God sent for Peter 
to make that message known to him. So I want us to be careful when people are saying to us, oh, we're, we're worshiping the same God. They just worship God in a different way. No, they can, you cannot worship a God in a different way other than through our Lord Jesus Christ. Salvation is in no one else, for no other name under heaven is given by which we must be saved except the name of Jesus. So even Cornelius, an attested worshiper of God, needed the gospel of Jesus Christ. So the, the, the gospel began to reach Gentiles. Of course, Peter got into trouble for that. He was recalled to Jerusalem. So what is going on, Peter? And then after that, we saw the gospel began to break through to the utmost part of the earth. From Acts 13, chapter 1, to the end of the age. But before, as you think about that, I want us to remember that this gospel is the responsibility of all of us. So our theme is focus. And we have said here, focus because it is your mission. The mission of Jesus Christ is your mission, not just the mission of the church. It's the mission of the church. It's the mission of every member of the church. And that mission was commissioned in diversity. It was commissioned in diversity. In Acts 13, 1 and 2, where we have read, we saw that gospel being commissioned. Now there were at Antioch in the church that was there, prophets and teachers, Barnabas and Simeon, who was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene and Manine, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. But how did the gospel get to Antioch? God used focused workers to birth his church in diversity. Let's quickly look at the birth of the church in Antioch in the Acts chapter 11 from verse 19. So in verse chapter 10, an early part of chapter 11 was where Peter was getting into trouble because he went to Cornelius. In the latter part of that, other events were happening in relation to Herod. But in verse 9, I mean verse 19 of chapter 11, so then those who were scattered because of the persecution that occurred in connection with Stephen made their way to Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word of God to no one except to Jews alone. So the Bible is telling us that the gospel has now broken out of Judea, out of Samaria, it's making its way. And you might think, oh yes, now the gospel is making its way to the utmost part of the earth. No. The reason is this. The gospel was still held captive to the Jews. These people, they have now reached Phoenicia, which is part of today's Lebanon, Cyprus, and a Mediterranean, uh, a Mediterranean island, and Antioch. Now, this Antioch is in Syria, not Antioch Pisidia, which is in today's Turkey. There's, there are two Antiochs. This was the Antioch in Syria. Actually, this Antioch was recorded as once being the capital of Syria. So the gospel was getting out and reaching this place, except that the Holy Spirit took care to record for us that that gospel was only being preached to Jews. But suddenly, something else happened. 
Verse 20, but there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who came to Antioch and began speaking to Greeks also, preaching the Lord Jesus Christ. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a large number who believed turned to the Lord. Oh, wow. Now, that is something out of the ordinary. So, these outsiders, men of Cyprus and Cyrene. Okay, Cyprus, I told you, an island in the Mediterranean. Cyrene is a city in today's Libya, North Africa. Men from those places broke out of the mold and started preaching to Gentiles. The word translated Greek is also the same word translated Gentile. And they started speaking to non-Jews. And surprise, surprise, the hand of the Lord was upon them. Now, who has ever heard of the hand of the Lord upon people preaching to Gentiles? But, you see, God... Was not, cannot be confined into a box. See, God is not limited to our thinking, not even to our expectation of who he should be. God's hand was upon them. Multitude came to faith. And in fact, it was such an unexpected thing that the church in Jerusalem heard about it, and they sent Barnabas. And I used to imagine the church saying, Barnabas, we're not sure what is going on there in Antioch, but you need to go and check it out. So Barnabas went down to Antioch. And the Bible tells us that when Barnabas arrived, he, he saw evidence of God's grace upon the church. Wow. Evidence of God's grace upon Gentiles in Jesus Christ. That's an amazing story. Barnabas chose to stay with them. And then he decided to go to Tarsus. And Tarsus, which is the city where Paul was born and where he was at the time, is in today's Turkey. So Barnabas went down to Turkey, to Turkey today's Turkey, to Tarsus, and brought Saul to Antioch. And together, they were part of that church. So here was a church that was battered in diversity. And now, when God was going to call his first church commissioned missionaries, God turned to a church in Syria. Not a church in Jerusalem. Not even a church in Judea. A church in Syria. You see, our God is an amazing God. He created diversity for a purpose. And God took note to let us know what he was doing exactly. The church it was a focused worker who God used and was a diverse church that God spoke to. Look at that with me, chapter 13. Now they were at Antioch in the church. There was the prophets and teachers. There were diversities of gifts within this church. There were prophets. There were teachers. And we know that Paul was a, an apostle. So, you know, there were diversities of gifts within the church that God called. But also, the Lord wanted us to know there were diversities of people. Otherwise, how, why will the Holy Spirit go into details in helping us know who was present? We know that it's not only these people that were mentioned were, that were present. Because there were other people that were present in that church. In chapter 11, we knew multitudes came into the church. But the Holy Spirit took time to point out to us the specifics about certain individuals. Follow me with that. He said, there was Barnabas, and I mentioned already, Barnabas was not from Antioch. Barnabas was from Cyprus. And he was sent by the church in Jerusalem. 
Barnabas and Simeon, who was called Niger. So there was Simeon the black. You know, Niger there is black. That's the Greek word for black. And it was, we don't know whether he was a black man or he was darker than others or whether it was just his nickname, but he was called Simeon the Black. And the Holy Spirit wanted us to know that there was a Simon there who was called Simeon the Black. And not only that, there was Lucius of Cyrene, okay? There was another person, Lucius, who came from Libya, from Cyrene, the city in Libya, and Manain, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch. So God wants us to know that there was even someone linked to royalty within that church. You know, some commentators said perhaps they had the same governance when they were growing up, or perhaps they, they, they were friends. In fact, one translator put, translation put it as man, a friend of Herod. We don't know. But the, the reality was there was a connection between this man and Herod the Tetrarch. And the Holy Spirit pointed each of these items to the church to us. And he said as they were worshiping, ministering to the Lord, the Lord spoke. This mission is commissioned in worship and prayer. In worship and prayer. God spoke to a praying and worshiping church. A praying and worshiping church. While they were ministering, verse 2, to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart from me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Why? They were ministering to the Lord and fasting. God's people were praying. They were spending time with the Lord. I know prayer is quite difficult for many of us today. Some of us, we're so self-sufficient, we don't really need God except there's trouble. And we don't spend time with God in prayer because we don't see immediate need for, for him. So he becomes a God who runs our errands. We call him when we need him. But so long as he stays away when we don't need him. These people were spending time with God in prayer. And I ask you, what's your prayer life like? What is your prayer life like? Because your prayer life is a direct demonstration of your dependence on God. Your sense of dependence on God is illustrated by your life of prayer. They were not just praying, they were fasting. Now, that's a problem, isn't it? I mean, like in our evangelical church these days, do we still fast? There are even people who contend that maybe there's no need to fast anymore. I beg to disagree. Fasting is in the Bible. It was part of the life of the church. Yeah, I know it's difficult, you know, to fast. Who wants to fast when you, you're driving through, you're coming to church this morning, on your right hand is McDonald's, on your left hand is Wendy. How can you fast? You know, food everywhere. And yet we're still called to discipline our body. Paul said, I discipline my body and bring it to subjection. There's still a place for God's people to discipline their body so they can spend time with their father, so that we can listen to God, so that we can spend time with God, so we can bring to the Lord the burdens of the world. God spoke to a praying, worshiping people. The Great Commission in worship the Great Commission through prayer. 
It was also a great commission in service. These people were serving the Lord. Now, look at me. The word that was translated ministry to the Lord in verse 2 is also the same word trans- that translates service. That word means service, to serve. They were serving the Lord in worship, in prayer, in fasting. Perhaps they were expressing their gifts. We don't know, but the gifts that were present were mentioned. Many of us, God has given us gifts. Every one of us here, you have a gift. And you can serve the Lord with that gift. If you want to know if the Lord is speaking to you or not, use the gift he's given to you. Express your service to him, employing the gift he's already given to you. Maybe you are a teacher or a nurse, accountant, whatever your role is, God can use that gift if you offer it to him within his church and in his global mission. I tell people, the only gift that I know that God cannot use the only skill, whether, whether it's computer skill, carpentry, mechanic, a doctor, the only skill that I know that God cannot use, the only life that I know that God cannot use is the one that has not been offered to him. If it is not offered to him, he doesn't take it by force. But when you offer your life to him, your skill to him, your gifts to him, he will use it. He will use you. If you are seeking the Lord and you are asking the Lord, how can I serve you? How can I honor you? Start using those gifts right here, right now. And see what the Lord will do with your life. This was a church that was serving the Lord. This was also a church that was listening to the Lord. The Holy Spirit spoke set apart for me, Barnabas and Saul. Do you listen to the Lord? Can we still hear the Lord speak? I know, you know these days it's really hard. Isn't it difficult to hear the Lord you know, between your iPhone and your iPad and your you know, iPod? Does God even have a chance speaking to you? But God still speaks. Some people wonder whether God still speaks to people today. I said, the one who created ears, can he not but hear? The one that created eyes, can he not but see? And the one that created mouth, can he not but speak? And we know of God who have ears but cannot hear, mouth but cannot speak, eyes but cannot see. But we don't serve that kind of a God. We serve the God of heaven and earth, the creator of all things, who have eyes and can see, ears and can hear, and mouth, and he still speaks. His people will listen. He speaks to us through his word. He speaks to us through messages like this. He speaks to us through others around us. And believe me, he still speaks to us in the depth of our souls when we open our hearts to him. These people were listening for God to speak to them. And he spoke. Your mission, if you focus Because it is your mission, God will speak to you. God will speak because he still speaks to his church. But it's not just that. It's also God's initiative. This mission is God's initiative. So sometimes we struggle with, I don't know, is it God? Do I want? Know that it is God's initiative and it's God's choice. You are God's choice 
for his purpose. You see, it was God who intervened. In fact, interrupted their prayer meeting and started speaking. Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul. Mission is God's initiative, and he has invited every one of us to be a part of that initiative. It is your mission. It is my mission because it is God's mission. You have a role, and I have a role. When we listen, because it's God's initiative, he will let us know our role in his global mission. Your call is God's choice. In fact, God chose you by name. He knows you. He called these people by name, Barnabas and Saul. Jeremiah recorded for us. God, speaking to him, said, before you were born, I knew you. Before you were conceived, I called you by name. Brothers and sisters, you are not an accident in God's program. You are God's plan for God's purpose. There are no accidents in God's plan. God has designed you and designated you for his own global purpose. You have a role in it. It is his initiative. You are his choice. You are his choice. So embrace the future that God has for you in his global mission. It's a journey of obedience for God's church. When these people were called, they responded. The church was, the, was called. In fact, in this passage, it was primarily the church that was being called to mission. The reason is that if you read Acts 26, you realize that Paul already had the call of Jesus Christ when he met Jesus on the way to Damascus because he recorded for us in Acts 26 from verse 17 that Jesus said to him, I am sending you to them to bring them from darkness to light, from the dominion of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sin and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. He already had his call. But it took the church to commission Paul. It took the church hearing God's call. It, it will take this congregation hearing God's call as it takes you hearing God's call to make this work because the church is the base of mission sending for the Lord. Embrace the future of obedience. It is a step of obedience for God's people. Paul didn't say, and Barnabas said, well, I'm not so sure about this. I need to go back to Cyprus and check it out. Or it doesn't fit my lifestyle. They obeyed when God called. When God came knocking, they responded to him. It was also a life of service equipped and empowered. God was calling them to a life of service. But not only that, it was a step to joy. Obedience to God is joy. Maybe there are some of you here, especially younger people, and you're thinking, you know, I've got a plan for my life, and it doesn't include mission. God will have to find someone else. I can't be a missionary. If you ever think you can't be a missionary, maybe it's because God is calling you. And if you think that, then welcome to my company. Because I told God I could not be a missionary. In fact, I told God he was making a mistake. Because when I sent God was calling me to mission, as I listened to a message like you were hearing this morning, 
I told God, I said, no, I can't be a missionary because, I, I mean, we don't do that. I'm an African. Last time I checked, I'm still an African. <laughs> we Africans don't do that. We don't send missionaries. We receive missionaries. <laughs> and the, the only missionaries I knew were white people. So why would God call me? So I told God it was a mistake. He needs to look for someone else, people who look like missionaries. I'm very thankful that the Lord didn't give up on me. He worked on my heart until I stepped into his joy. And I can assure you, there's no greater joy than being where God wants you, doing what God wants you to do. It's a life of joy. That's part of the call. God was calling them into joy. So if you are wondering whether the Lord is calling you or not, I want you to know this morning, it is your mission if you're going to focus on him. If you're going to get clarity of his greater purpose for the world, it is your mission. You have been equipped to go and called to serve. Now, the place where you will serve may be different. It's a difference of location and vocation, but it's the same calling for every one of us. The Holy Spirit is ready to empower and to send. The question is, are you listening? And will you respond? A church that is ready, a people that are willing, are an unassailable instrument in God's hand. A church that is ready, and the people that are willing, it's an unassailable instrument in God's hand. Think of the impact of the church in Antioch. Today, we have the Bible. I don't know if you know this, but two-thirds two -third of the New Testament came out of this simple commission that we're talking about this morning. Think of the impact the Antioch church in Syria has made on the world. You know, look at Acts. It's about a third of the whole New Testament. Paul's letter is another third of the New Testament. All that coming out of this commission, an impact that the world could never have imagined. I don't know what impact God is going to use this church to make on the world, and I don't know what impact God is going to make you, you know, use you to make on the world. That when we respond to God's call, he will make the impact. I will wrap up with a story of a church making that impact right now. The church, the church in Ethiopia responding to God's call. This was a prayer meeting for mission. They go to a mountain they call Amberichu in the southern part of Ethiopia. There's a day in Ethiopia when the Ethiopian uh, church, the, the uh, Orthodox Church celebrate, and the, the evangelical people of God will gather on this mountain to pray. The only thing they pray for is mission. And it's fasting from morning to whenever they finish. Sometimes six hours, sometimes eight hours, sometimes they are there for two and a half days praying. This was a picture taken at the prayer meeting in 2011. It was estimated there were about 83,000 people on that mountain praying for the salvation of the world. Praying for people groups who do not know Jesus that harvest workers may be sent to them. Out of that 
those kind of praying churches came our friend, Yaakov Antiberic, sent to southern Sudan by the church in Ethiopia. Yaakov passed away on the field in 2010. His body, his corpse was taken back to Ethiopia along with the widow. The church received them with thanksgiving because they said, this is our seed for the gospel. And at that, as he was being buried, his widow, Tiberic, the lady you are seeing there, made a commitment to go back to South Sudan to continue to serve the Lord. But the church told her, we want you to go to Bible school first and get more education. That was where she met this her new husband, and that baby I was carrying is their baby. They are still in Sudan today. She actually went back with her husband, her new husband, as she finished Bible school. But the church decided right there, right then, as they finished the barrier, that they were going to send replacement missionary for them. But they didn't have money because it wasn't time for harvest in Ethiopia. They were peasant farmers who depend on their harvest to put money together and support their missionary. So they decided, and they told our, our deputy director in, in, in Sudan, we are going to send replacement, but we don't have any money right now, and we don't have crop to sell. But this is what we are going to do. Every member of our church will go to the hospital and donate blood. You know why? Because in that part of Ethiopia, if you donate blood and you don't have a patient in the hospital, the hospital will pay you to compensate you. And they said, all the money that we receive, we are going to put together to send the next missionary to replace this couple. That's what they did. And they made this statement. The leader of the church who was speaking to our deputy director said, as long as we have blood, we have something to give for missions. As long as we have blood, we have something to give for missions. The Lord is only inviting you to give your gift, your skill, yourself. He hasn't even asked you to give your blood yet. Will you obey? Will you respond? Remember, obedience is action. Thank you. Thank you again, Joshua. Praise God. Amen. And because we want to be a church like Antioch, like that Ethiopian 83,000 people praying. We just want to be a church that experiences that joy in each of, each of our lives uh, and as a church of serving God. Um, there are three next steps on your sermon notes. I want to give you some, some powerful ways that everyone here can be involved with some things that we have going on right now. The first is I will start my mission by receiving Jesus. Until you trust Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, you're still alienated from God, and maybe you feel that way right now. I want you to consider what God says. He sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross to take away our sins for all those who believe on him. Call on his name, and the time for you may be right now. So I encourage you to do that right now. And in that, Jesus will give you his mission for your life as well. Uh, if you want to make that decision or talk to anybody, would you write that on that yellow communication card? And we will talk with you. Uh, we'll celebrate that with you, and we'll walk with you on your journey of, of life following Christ together with us <clears throat> in discipleship. 
Then the second and third, we can kind of put together. The second is I will embark on my personal mission. I will embark on my personal mission. We've just heard from Joshua from Scripture that you have one. Same calling, just different strategies and gifts. Then third, I will join my church's mission by, and I'm going to give you several things that are going on right now uh, for you to write one down or write on the yellow communication card if you want to connect with any of these. First, prayer is necessary. Would you please commit to God to be in prayer, to talk to Him? Here are a few different ways. On the back of your sermon notes, there's a, a wonderful prayer by Sir Francis Drake. And here's the challenge that I have for you today. I challenge you to pray that prayer every day this week. Every day, expectantly. See what God does as you pray that prayer every day. Put that on your breakfast table and start each day this week with it and see what happens. Next is, would you pray for Lake City's future strategic focuses, the wisdom and research and choosing and networking and sending people to explore and to be unified on that? What's God going to do in, through Lake City in the world in the future? Please pray for that. Pray also for all of our 25, 28 missionaries that are in this beautiful bifold that's, that's in your bulletin. Right now you can pull that out and put that somewhere prominent in your house and pray for each one of those people. See, when we pray, it breaks up the ground, uh, softens the ground of their, of their work out there everywhere we have them. That's our role as ascending church. All right, here are several other things. The next thing is the missions lunch today. You can, might even be able to smell the food right now once they open the door. Hey, that starts in 10 minutes. I'm going to be over there. Uh, and meet you over there. Come over there, and uh, Eddie and Bobby will be on the stage again. That's going to be a great time, and that's also where we're going to introduce our missions pipeline that we're developing right now. If you're interested in missions at all, uh, this is kind of how you get your foot in uh, in that process. Come over there and hear more about that. We'll be done by two o'clock. Dr. Joshua is going to be down at the missions counter, and and I'll be over there. Um, we're ready to greet you all when you're hungry. <clears throat> okay. A few more things. Next, I want to celebrate a filled Malawi container. We're going to celebrate this real quick. Can we? We have filled that thing. Amen? Praise God. Here's a picture. This is the uh, packing party that we had yesterday. How many people came to that yesterday? Several. How many people gave something to the container over the last three months? Wasn't it? I have to tell you, as I was weeding through those boxes and bags uh, yesterday, I'm, I was humbled by the generosity of our, of our church. And I want us to just say well done and praise God. There's just tons of great stuff um, that we're sending to uh, one of the poorest nations in the world that's waiting, uh, the orphan ministries and the village ministries that are waiting there to receive it. That's a life of serving God right there. Next is the Tomogic Change Drive. I want to celebrate this next week as we collect all these bottles. This, again, funds our entire work in Niger. You've seen the list, the bullet point list in your bulletin of all the things that those funds go to. Please give that, uh, return that filled sacrificially by next weekend, however the Lord leads you, so we can get those funds sent out to that work out there. Next is serve on a missions team. We are expanding our missions teams, and we need more team members. If you're a good team member or leader, um, please write that on your yellow communication card. Yeah, that's a, that's a neat way to be involved in missions right here on an ongoing basis. Next is teenagers. We're sending a high school missions trip. How cool is that? Guess what? If you're a teenager here right now, you need to consider going on this missions trip this summer. There's an informational meeting that was started at 1130. Sorry, you missed it. But... There'll be lots of other chances. Talk to Pastor Caleb and um, lots of preparation. Consider going on that missions trip, teens. And then everyone else, consider if you could go to Niger for a year, six months to a year. Our partners, SIM and Niger, have reported that they have 
um, a huge need for personnel this next upcoming year. And accountants, teachers, uh, personnel, directors, staffers, uh, are you in a season of life where you could actually go for six months or a year? We, would, we have a role as a partnering church to send, and we'd love to appoint you and, and send you off over there. Would you also, would you write that down on your communication card? Also, if you speak French, we want to know how many people in our congregation speak French, okay? Bonjour. <clears throat> I mean fluently. I don't, I don't, that's not me. That's my one word. If you do, we'd love to know. Write that down on your yellow, yellow card as well. And then finally, this is something everybody can do. You saw the burst of color as you walked in. That means it's Easter time. These are our five packs of Easter invitation cards. Imagine hundreds of people from Lake City passing out thousands of these invitations just to people you meet on the streets, to your friends, to your neighbors, saying come and celebrate with us uh, Easter. Imagine all the people that will come. We will be ready for them and preach the gospel and celebrate Jesus. Um, please pass those out and let our whole local community know to come to Lake City. Let's close in prayer, and then we'll transition out into the mission field. Let's pray. Lord God, I, uh, my, I guess my deepest prayer right now is that we will be a faithful church, a worshiping church, a praying church, and a church continually growing in maturity, enjoying unity, and clarity on your mission, filled with joy. Christian life isn't easy, and it's not pain-free, but you take our burdens, and you replace them with purpose and joy despite the hardships. I pray that your Holy Spirit will touch each heart with that truth right now as we make decisions and commitments for the rest of our lives to you. In Jesus' name, amen.